Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, February 6th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, unfortunately, we have to start today's episode with some sad news, and that is the passing of the incredible stage and screen star John Mahoney, who passed away yesterday, or it was reported at least yesterday, that he passed away at the age of 77, most well-known for playing the father of uh, Frazier and Niles Crane on TV. Mahoney won the 1986 Tony Award for his performance in The House of Blue Leaves and was also seen on Broadway in the Roundabout Theatre Company's revival of Prelude to a Kiss in 2007. Those were his only two Broadway credits, but he was a staple in the Chicago theater scene. He was a member of the Steppenwolf Theater Company Ensemble since 1977, performing in over 30 productions with the esteemed Chicago Company. He was also seen in numbers of films, including what I think I first knew him from was Eight Men Out, uh, the great baseball Chicago Black Sox movie. Um, He was just fantastic. One of those guys who Uh, whether it was on stage or screen, you always knew that you were going to get a great performance out of him so much so that I didn't realize this until people started tweeting about him dying, that he was actually British. I I had no idea. I thought Chicago, I would have believed New York. I would have believed the UK. I I honestly was surprised. So uh, uh, Godspeed, Mr. Mahoney, one of one of the greats and taken, uh, you know, too early, only 77. Uh, uh, While it's sad that he is gone, uh, hopefully it helps people remember what a great performer he was. I had no idea he was British. Exactly. I mean, uh, hey, I I always thought of him like a New York City, Boston, Chicago, yeah, you know, Irish kid type of. Yeah, absolutely. Oh wow! I can't believe he's only had two Broadway credits. I saw both of his shows. Yeah. Yep. All right. First up in the news, a Roe versus Wade play could be coming to Broadway. Yeah, this is just a very small tidbit from page six's Cindy Adams, but she says that a new play from playwright Lisa Loomer has been shepherded uh, by the producer Daryl Roth and could be aiming for Broadway. After world premiere at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in 2016, the next step is apparently New York City. There's not a ton more in terms of news to go on here, James, but it seems very timely, especially if it is some sort of familial penance for Daryl to attempt to balance out the attacks on a woman's right to choose that were made by the man that her husband helped get elected. Um, interestingly, Daryl's son, Jordan, is co-producing the musical Head Over Heels, which also started at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. So maybe the Kushners helped the Roths get a good real estate deal on a cabin in southern uh, Oregon or something like that. All right, uh, 54 below to premiere. <laughs> no comments at all, just letting me say that and moving on. You're a very smart man. Yes, 54 below to premiere unheard Jonathan Lawson songs. Oh, Jennifer Ashley Tepper's excited about this. Oh, absolutely. That's what I said. Um, Jennifer, this is a literal dream come true, and apparently the manifestation of a lot of work from Jennifer Ashley Tepper, who's the programming director over 54 below, because yesterday it was announced that from October 9th through the 14th, Feinstein's 54 below will host the Jonathan Larson Project, which will celebrate the late composer's life and work with some some of his unheard songs. I find it incredible that we haven't that they haven't found a way to get his songs out there already. But 
this is a great way to do it. The show will star Nick Blameyer, Lauren Marcus, Andy Miantis, Destiny Ray, and George Salazar, and will be directed by Tepper, who obviously conceived the project. Tickets go on sale to Club 54 members on Thursday, February 8th, this Thursday at noon, uh, of course, New York time. And they will then go on, pub- on uh, sale to the general public the following Thursday, the 15th. Uh, but in the spirit of Rent, 54 Below will be making a limited number of $20 tickets available for each performance via a special lottery with details to be announced at a later date. Um, J- uh, James, I've talked about my um, how seminal a show Rent was in my development as a musical theater fan after things like My Fair Lady and, and Camelot were the shows that kind of really got me into it to then just a couple years later be introduced to Rent. Um, really changed my perspective of what a musical and musical theater and and show tunes could be. So the fact that we are getting new Jonathan Larson songs um, is is amazing. It's something I never thought we would have gotten. And, and hopefully these songs are in some way recorded either by this cast or someone else so that they can be preserved and shared to everybody else who was impacted by the work of Jonathan Larson throughout the decades. Tickets go on sale to Club 54 members on Thursday. Yeah, I didn't know what that was. I don't know what that is either, but if I join Club 54, do you think I can get Springsteen tickets? <laughs> um, I, no. No, I do not. Okay. All right. I, did, did I, a total tangent. We'll get, I know we have a lot to cover, but quickly here. Uh, one of our listeners emailed me and offered me a Bruce Springsteen ticket. And, uh, and I can't go oh. <laughs> because oh. my... He offered to me on the one day that my daughter is doing her production of A Little Mermaid at her her um, her I, school. I mean, I'm just saying she's probably going to have other productions in her life. James. I mean, <laughs> who knows? Springsteen's only around for a couple more months. I'm, I know, I know, I know. I'm back and forth, but I couldn't even. Uh, so I mean, is Charlotte is Charlotte playing Ariel? No, no, she's not. She's, so I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean. It seems like an easy decision to me, James. I mean, yeah, no, but I, I, I just, I, the between the therapy for Charlotte and 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 <laughs> the pain that's going to be induced I'm by just my kidding. wife. Of so, course, uh, I'm yeah. kidding. Of course, I mean, kind of, <laughs> maybe not really. All right. Uh, speaking of Springsteen, how was last week's Broadway grosses? Uh pretty dismal, James. It was a uh, it was a pretty dis- dismal week on Broadway. As bad as as bad as the stock market. Uh, no, not as bad okay. as the stock market, See but that? pretty close. Yeah. So Dismal, uh, pop, not disastrous. Look on the bright side of life. Thank you, Monty Python. Uh, but yeah, last week, 24 of the 26 shows on the Great White Way saw week-to-week numbers in the red. Overall, the main stem receipts were down 9.64% from a week that wasn't that good the week before um, to come in at $24,869,635. The only shows to see week-over-week increases were the Phantom of the Opera, bringing in a whopping or $6,195 extra dollars, and the Children, which picked up nine hundred. $30, which I kid you not, is only $81 more than the top ticket purchased to Hamilton last week. Uh, speaking of Hamilton, the show had its first week below $3 million since mid-December as it came in at $2,789,366. But keep in mind, last week was an Eduham week, so they very well might have been up around or over the $3 million mark otherwise. The aforementioned Springsteen on Broadway was second last week at $2.4 million, again on five performances. And it did see a $1,500 decline, which is like three unsold tickets. So, James, 
maybe if you just called the box office every day, there might have been some tickets available if you wanted to get them. Uh, next up on the list was The Lion King at 1.67 million, Dear Evan Hansen at 1. Uh, 1.66, and Wicked at 1.37. The other shows above 1 million were Aladdin, Waitress, Come From Way, and Hello, Dolly. Waitress did drop nearly $452,000, by far the biggest decline of the week. But Jason Mraz had a couple of pre-planned absences to accommodate schedule conflicts. So the tickets that for his fervent fans were not selling during those. Now, The Book of Mormon was the next show on the list just outside looking in on the Seven Figure Club. But uh, this is the first time that the Book of Mormon has not broken $1 million since two weeks after it opened. Now, keep in mind that they only did seven performances last week, but it's not the first time that the Book of Mormon has only done seven shows in a week. But it is the first time that it hasn't cracked $1 million since April of 2011. Absolutely incredible. Um, some other shows of interest here. Nickelodeon or uh, SpongeBob with Nickelodeon's Deep Pockets dropped almost one hundred sixty thousand to come in at six hundred fifty thousand four hundred ninety three dollars for just forty six point two percent of its gross potential. Once on this island fell eighty four thousand to come in at five hundred fifteen thousand four hundred fifty six dollars or a slightly better 65.1% of gross potential. The play that goes wrong also had its worst week since the week that it opened all the way back in April, coming in at nearly 296000 Now, one good note of the week is that John Leguizamo's Latin History for Morons did recoup its Broadway investment on the strength of a nearly $522,000 frame. Um, now, James, this is a bad week, um, not necessarily the worst week ever, but it was, you know, fairly expected. I mean, this is kind of what we assume um, is going to be, you know, the worst time of the year. February. Yeah. I mean, it's what it is. It's no, no shock to anybody, but yeah. um, are you uh, taking the Book of Mormon and put it on the bubble watch? <laughs> no, it'll, it'll be back above a million uh, next week. I, I can guarantee, guarantee it. <laughs> All right. Show and casting news. What do we have? All right. Yesterday, it was announced that Arlington, Virginia's signature theater would present the world premiere of the musical adaptation of the Oscar and Grammy nominated film August Rush. The musical will be directed by John Doyle and will feature music by the film's composer, Mark Mancina, a book by Glenn Berger, and the two will collaborate on the lyrics. The show will play from February 5th of 2019 through March 3rd of the year before it transfers to Illinois' Paramount Theater. That's in Aurora, Illinois, where it will run from April 24th through June 2nd. Now, that Paramount run is billed as a pre-Broadway engagement. So I would assume that the plan will be to try to bring the show into New York as part of the 2019-2020 season. Now, I don't remember much about the film. I've seen it. Um, Robin Williams, uh, Carrie Russell, um, Freddie Highmore, who's now the autistic doctor on that show on ABC that I don't watch. But anyway, I don't remember a ton about it other than thinking that it was essentially a modern day Oliver that had to do with like a music savant. So I don't know if it'll be more or less Olivery when it actually makes it to the stage, but something to keep an eye on over here over the next year or so. Speaking of new shows, it was announced last night that the Williamstown Theater Festival will be the host for a number of major stars, both on and off stage, working on new works this summer. Now, uh, this is always one of those 
acclaimed festivals that seems to originate a lot of shows that end up making their way to Broadway or at least to New York. This one will run from June 26th through August 19th of this year. And the season will include, I'm going to run through all of the shows here with some bullet points. Uh, the first thing will be a world premiere uh, play called The Closet by Douglas Carter Bean. It will feature a great cast, including Brooks Ashmanskis, Matthew Broderick, Anne Harada, and Jessica Hecht. and will be directed by Mark Brokaw. Then we'll have a world premiere musical with a book and lyrics by Carson Kritzer and music by Matt Gould. It is called Limpica. I believe we've talked about this one before. It'll be directed by Rachel Chavkin and will star Carmen Cusack. Then will be a revival of Carson McCuller's play The Member of the Wedding, It'll be directed by Lila Neugebauer and will star Tavi Gevinson. Then we'll have a world premiere of Adam Rapp's new play, The Sound Inside, directed by David Cromer and will star Mary Louise Parker. Then we'll have the world premiere of James Anthony Tyler's new play called Artney Jackson, which will be directed by Laura Savia. Uh, then we'll have a new play from Teresa Rebeck, directed by my favorite name in all of theater, Moritz von Stupenagel. And it is called Seared. And it'll be it'll star Stephen Pasquale. Uh, next up, another new play by Jen Silverman called Dangerous House, which will be directed by Sahim Ali. And that'll wrap up the season. Uh, I, tons of world premieres. Tons of big stars on stage, tons of big stars as directors, tons of big writing stars. Um, obviously, all of these casts and even the shows are subject to change. Um, and there will be additional programming and events that will be announced at a later date. But um, you can start getting your ticket bundles now. We'll have a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. But another fantastic year with, I think, shows that we'll end up seeing either in New York or other places in the very near future. All right. Uh, in and of itself, it announces its final extension. Yes. Yesterday, we learned that Derek Delgadio's solo magic illusion-ish type show in and of itself has extended a fourth and final time at the Daryl Roth Theater down at Union Square. The show will now play through August 19th of this year, directed by the legendary Frank Oz. The show was only supposed to have a 10-week run when it began performances in April of 2017, but will now end up having a nearly year-and-a-half run in New York. Uh, James, I listened to uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR, and... I don't remember when it was. It might have been at the end of the year or beginning of January. I don't remember when it was. But um, Linda Holmes, who's the host of that show and the editor of the pop culture blog for NPR Monkey C, she raved about this show. Um, so if you haven't seen this, I'm gonna, I'm trying to figure out a way to work this into my trip or maybe to come up and see it before the end of August. But this apparently is a really special show. If you haven't seen it, get down to Union Square in the Daryl Roth Theater to see it. Now, sticking off Broadway, yesterday it was announced that the Grateful Dead musical Red Roses Green Gold will end its limited run at the Minetta Lane Theater on February 18th, a month earlier than planned, in part so that it can make a trip down south to the iconic South by Southwest Music Festival in Austin, Texas on March 16th, two days before it was supposed to close off Broadway. One of, if not the first ever theater pieces to perform at South by Southwest, Red Rose's Green Gold is also aiming to launch a 2019 national tour, as well as other productions around the country, and an original cast recording is also in the works. And finally here, yesterday, the New York Pops announced that on April 30th at Carnegie Hall, a number of major stars will unite to perform in part of his world, the songs of Alan Menken. Scheduled to participate are a number of people who have 
worked on Alan Menken projects before, either on stage or screen. See if you can figure out where all these people have been connected to Menken. You'll have Michael Arden, Roger Bard, Jody Benson, Ashley Brown, Nick Cordero, Susan Egan, Harvey Firestein, James Monroe, Eigelhart, Adam Jacobs, Judy Kuhn, and Patina Miller. Uh, it's going to be a special night. Tickets, which begin at $75, are on sale now, and you can get a link to purchase them in the show notes at broadwayradio.com. All right. In the recommendations section, Leslie Odom Jr., Super Bowl, America the Beautiful. Yeah, the, uh, we mentioned this yesterday. I wanted to put the, the, the link to the video in there. It was fantastic. One of the highlights um, of the non-football night, obviously, the highlight of the night was the fact that the New England Patriots lost. Thank you. Um, anytime uh, you know, that... I, I'm still not sure if more people cried because the Patriots lost or people cried because of This Is Us. Uh, are we, we, we going to have to have a Broadway radio discussion about This Is Us? I mean, it seems no. like there's a big uh, Venn diagram overlap between Broadway I, fans and This Is Us. I am not in that Venn diagram. I gave mm-hmm. up on that show about six or seven episodes into the first season because it was just one of the most emotionally manipulative things I've ever seen. And it really, (laughs) really rubbed me the wrong way. I stuck with it because I loved the pilot. um, And I love the fact that one of my favorites, Melania Vintrube was in the first season. Um, She played like the playwright who ends up being his co-star in the show. She's actually, she's like the AT&T girl and she's going to play squirrel girl in a new TV show. But anyway, um, it was just, it was, no, it was too much. Love Ron Cephas Jones, love Sterling K Brown, but I could do without it. But anyway, Leslie was great. Pink was fantastic. She took out a lozenge because she's been dealing with the flu. She had a lozenge, but she sounded great, a little flat at times, but um, Pink's one of my favorites. I would have not had a problem if she would have been the halftime performer. But anyway, the video for Leslie Odom Jr.'s America the Beautiful is in the show notes. But what really is the recommendation for today? Yesterday, um, we got some press videos of rehearsals. And remember, they haven't been rehearsing too long, but rehearsal videos for the upcoming Kennedy Center production of Chess, which will star Ramin Karamlu, Ruthie Ann Miles, Karen Olivo, um, the great Raul Esparza, as well as Broadway Radio. I feel like he's a regular at, at this point, Bryce Pinkham, as well as others. They were just in the rehearsal room. They had a, a few snippets of songs, uh, Kami Newspapers, The Deal, and Endgame. It's a little rough still. Um, they weren't uh, in performance shape yet, but they were just standing around pianos reading their music. But it was still impressive. Such a great score. Such great voices. This semi-stage concert will run from February 14th through 18th at the Eisenhower Theater uh, at the Kennedy Center. And I'm just fingers crossed that maybe this cast transfers or they record it somehow because really is an embarrassment of riches when it comes uh, to this group of people. We know Karen Olivo's super busy for someone who's retired from acting, but um, (laughs) wouldn't mind seeing her do this somewhere else. But apparently there's going to be some more videos coming um, from these rehearsals down the way, but very, very cool for anybody who loves, uh, loves chess, The, the musical, not the game. I think that uh, Broadway Radio listener um, Deb Schrager is uh, going to be there for more than one performance. (laughs) Maybe we'll get her to call call in to uh, give us a little review on that. I I envy her there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, why don't you get us out of here? 
All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at BWMatt, and subscribe to Sound Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us, and Matt and I will be back uh, to start you off on Wednesday. Thank you.